Welcome back to our Total Sense Bite Size episodes. I'm Tom Hensky, and I'm here to help parents teach their kids about money. Welcome back into today's podcast, where we're joined by a special guest who's an expert in financial literacy. Our guest is passionate about educating people, particularly children, on the importance of money management. Welcome founder of Money Mammals and the author of The Art of Allowance, John Lanza. How are you, John? Tom, it is great to be here. I'm doing well. Well, great to have you. And a little personal note, just to show you how this whole financial literacy community is all intertwined, I cold called you about three or four years ago, maybe even more than three or four years ago now, and you agreed to meet me in New York City, because you live in LA, when you are on vacation with your daughter. And I said to, I bragged about that a million times to people saying, that is so amazing. This guy is so great that he's on vacation with his daughter and he fit me in. And I remember being at Rockefeller Center while your daughter was ice skating and you and I were having a coffee together, by the way, inside where it was warm, but that you could see her through the, uh, the glass enclosure, right? Do you remember that, John? I do remember Rockefeller Center. I thought that was great. So, John, let me just jump right in. Uh, how did you get involved with financial literacy? Well, first thing I want to say is the reason I met with you, Tom, is that you just have an infectious enthusiasm that comes through both via email and on the phone. So there was no way I could not meet you. And uh, and I'm glad I did because uh, we've kind of struck up a friendship since then because we just look at the world very similarly. And uh, and I think we probably both got into financial literacy for the same reason. I was I got into it to scratch my own itch, which is my wife and I wanted to raise money smart kids. Um, I really came from entertainment, not like you where you came from finance. My, my dad was a banker, but I came from entertainment uh, and education. I knew. I wanted to get kids, our kids excited about Money Smarts, but then I realized, oh, this might be something that goes beyond just our kids. And that's the reason we created the Money Mammals was to get kids excited about something other than spending, which is what a lot of, you know, every kid's going to get excited about spending. But how about getting them excited about sharing, charitable giving, uh, saving, and then spending, but spending smart. And that's how the money mammals were born. And that's their mantra. We'll share and save and spend smart too. And it's been a very interesting ride from there. Well, tell us about the lead up into the money mammals for those. I mean, I'm int intimately uh, involved with it because I share the idea with all my clients who are asking me questions about it to the first, the person who's meeting you for the first time, what are money mammals? Sure. Well, the money mammals are Joe the monkey, Clara J. Campbell, Pigs of the Bank, and Joe's sister, Marmoset. And they go on little adventures and learn about money. They learn about saving for goals. They learn about the dis difference between needs and wants. They learn about sharing their money, charitable giving. They learn about spending smart. They learn about all these types of things, and it makes it fun for kids to engage with these characters and realize, oh, so these money lessons are actually kind of fun. I want to be like Joe the monkey. I want to be like Pigs the Bank. I want to be like Clara J. Camel. And they learn lessons that are hopefully lessons that they can kind of carry forward. But the other thing that's great about the money mammals, I think, is that the, the songs are super fun. My brother wrote the song. So from the original video, we have the songs. And then we have the three books that I've written for kids. But the songs really engage not only kids, but as any parent who has watched 
fun kids videos with songs, they engage the parents. Like they get really excited about the ideas of this sharing and saving and spending smart. And it sets a foundation for the parents to have conversations with their kids because you know, wherever we're coming from, whether we're already money smart or maybe we have some baggage, money baggage, I would include myself in that uh, that group. We can get really comfortable having these conversations with our kid young, kids young because these are really basic things. We're talking about saving for goals. We're talking about needs versus wants. We're talking about the basics. And we can kind of, kind of reset ourselves to have those conversations uh, with kids. And uh, I know you know all about <laughs> having conversations with kids about money and starting from a young age. You're going to love this one. So I'm in the car driving Sammy to school, my daughter, who's 15 now. Uh, it's driving her to yep. school. And she said to me, what do you have going on today? I said, oh, I'm actually interviewing my friend, John Lanza, who is the Money Mammals. She sang right away, save, invest, and spend smart too. Like something like that. I know I just butchered the words, but she sure. got it right. But it's <laughs> funny, that was years ago that I had her listening to your audio songs in the car while we were at home. And now it's ingrained in her head. And you'd yeah. like to think that when she gets to the point where she makes money and she needs to save and to spend and to do those things, that she remembers the lessons that she used to sing about with the money mammals. Well, I appreciate that, Tom. That's very cool to hear. And uh, I, I'm, I'm impressed by your ability to carry a tune. That's pretty good. Yeah, that was awful. Um, That's, we're, don't worry, we're going to edit that one right out for sure, for sure. There's no <laughs> chance everyone's going to want to listen to me singing like that. I, I, I'm not sure. That was, uh, I think, Paul McCartney would be pretty, pretty impressed. <laughs> pitch is pretty solid. You're a good friend. But I, 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 go ahead. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say, I think, you know, I, one of the key things, though, is it's great that she remembers that, but I think really it's that's I mean, it's really just laying the foundation that then we have to kind of move beyond just the the fun singing part and actually move into uh, the real lessons. But I think the key thing there is figuring out ways to lay that foundation and, you know, the money mammals are one way to do it. And it's one of the reasons, like, what, re in reading your book, what I like is you're laying the foundation by ha having these kind of conversational prompts um, for all these different types of money conversations that you might want to have with kids. Well, let me uh, switch gears for a little bit because, you know, the first chapter in my book was about actually getting money in their hands. And I think I probably stole that idea from you. I don't 100% remember, uh, but it's about the importance of getting money in their hands so that they can practice. Can you talk a little about that? Sure. Yeah, the practice is really important because, you know, there's like three ways that people are going to learn about money. I mean, frankly, the three ways they're going to learn a lot of things. But, you know, one way is in the classroom or sitting at the dinner table and you're just talking to them. Um, valuable way. Uh, the other way is modeling. You know, they see what you're doing. But the way that's really tremendously impactful, and it's not that those other two ways, those other two ways are important, but it's that cold, hard experience that we have. You know, it's like that is one of the great teachers. Experience is a great teacher. And that's the reason we want to get money into their hands. And the reason we want to get money into their hands early so they can practice with it. I mean, you know, doctors practice, lawyers practice. You want to get money smart, you've got to figure out how to practice. And kids getting money in their hands gives them the opportunity to practice. As parents, I think what's difficult about that is they're going to make mistakes, but these are low stakes mistakes 
versus the much higher stakes, the mis- mistakes they might make if you don't start these conversations early and give them that money to practice. Well, you know, in your book, The Art of Allowance, which, by the way, I think I read on one flight, and I don't think it was a long flight either. It wasn't from California to New York, but maybe it was Florida to New York, <laughs> something like that. I don't quite remember. But it was a quick one, and you talked a lot about allowance and how parents can use allowance to help their kids develop these good habits, right, and, and that last hopefully into adulthood. So can you just talk sure. a little about that? How can parents use allowance to help with that? Yeah. Well, one thing is it's it's getting you know it's giving them the money to practice um, and starting early is what really matters for kids um, because we're trying to we want them to learn to use money as a tool and the best way for them to do that is to have a lot of practice with that money and uh, when you're setting up an allowance you know you can start as early as say five years old and when then when you're going to the store now. You know, the first time you go after you've set up an allowance, you may get a tantrum or two, right? But once they realize that they have now their own money, they take ownership of it. And guess what? They are a heck of a lot more caring about what they're going to do with their money now than they would be if you're just handing them your own money to them. So you're you're really kind of transferring ownership of the process to them for them to learn. Um, and then, you know, the nice part about allowance is you can adjust it as you go. And I know you're a fan of setting up these kind of contracts with kids. I'm a fan as well. Do that. You know, so you say, we're going to set up an allowance. Okay. So you're five years old. We are going to require you in this case. And listen, parents, you can do whatever you want. But the way we did it was we would say $1 is going to go into the save jar. $1, that's teaching them to pay themselves first. $1 goes into the share jar. That's for charitable giving. And then the rest is kind of discretionary money. They could put it in the save jar. They could put it in the share jar. They could put it in their spend smart jar. It just changes the dynamic around money, around shopping trips with them, around them thinking about how they're going to uh, use their And then as soon as they want something, which is going to be fairly soon, and they don't have money for it, then you can start talking to them about goals. So there's just like, that's just the beginning part of the process. There's so much that you can do with an allowance. and, uh, And starting early gives you that much more opportunity to do a lot with it. So I'm hearing five years old. Is that the greatest start date? Talk to me about that. I don't think there's necessarily, I, I, I can speak to an hour particular case. Four seemed a little bit early for our first uh, born, but actually the younger one, we started her at four. Um, and so I would say somewhere between four and six is probably an ideal start, but if you have an eight-year-old and you haven't started, do you throw your hands up and think, oh, it's a failure? Not at all. Same for a 12-year-old, same for a 15-year-old. You want to get started as soon as possible. I mean, in truth, you can you wouldn't start with an allowance, but you can even start the money conversation as young as two years old because there's already a money awareness there. And as a parent, you just want to be ready for the conversation. I mean, that conversation may be don't put that penny in your mouth, or it might be, you know, have this discussion about why is a dime. It won't even be discussion here. I mean, at that at that age they're not going to know the difference between a dime and a penny other than that they're different colors. They're not going to understand the value. And that's not the point. It's The good way to think about it for parents is it's like we read to our kids from a very, very young age. They can't even understand what we're reading until they get to be a little bit older, but you're laying the foundation for literacy. 
by starting the conversation early, you're laying the foundation for financial literacy. And this, there's actually research to back that up. So people who are listening to this who have a 16-year-old uh, had a little, uh, their heart skipped a beat when they heard five years old thinking that they missed the boat. So what's yeah. the difference between an allowance at five and 15? You know, it's really going to depend on the family. I mean, one of the things that I talk about in the book, what we did is we, as they transitioned to tweens, so was, this was somewhere between 10 and 12, and it was different for, for each of our kids. We moved to a allowance where now they got a little bit more money, but they have more responsibility. So the starter allowance that we talked about before, they could just kind of do whatever they wanted with it, aside from the fact that we require them to save some and to share some. Um, we kept the sharing and saving, but it was a smaller percentage now of the allowance because they were getting a bigger allowance. But now they were required to buy any of their own clothes, uh, any food out with friends, uh, communications or their phone, and also gifts. Now, you may do something completely different as uh, one set of parents will do something different than another set of parents. One set of parents may say, you know, I want my kid getting a job as soon as possible. Perfectly fine. You may reduce that allowance, but still you want it. You want their, their responsibility should be to those kind of things. You, you, what you're doing is you're teaching them a little bit about what the real, real world is going to be like, you know, the expenses that they're going to have to uh, incur as they get older. And, one way to do that is with an allowance that kind of increases as they get older. Um, another way can be with a combination of a smaller allowance and a job. You know, this is something you just work out as a parent with your family. Honestly, you're going to maybe maybe work it out differently with one kid from another kid. And that's, I think, you know, it's at the core of both of our philosophy, you know, your philosophy and my philosophy, which is that we're giving kind of a framework for parents, but we're, this is nothing prescriptive. This is a framework, and then you build your own system based on these ideas. And then that's why like, I have my podcast, and I think that's why you have you, your podcast, is so that parents can listen in and get more ideas that they can bring into their family, because only you as a parent really know what's going to work with your individual kids. Um, and these are you know, this, that's why I love having these conversations, because you know, hopefully a parent will come away with it thinking, oh, yeah, I think I'll try that. Yeah, that's great. And I'm going to make sure that I put your podcast link in the show notes for everyone to listen to. Uh, I'm probably your biggest fan of your podcast. And even when I'm listening to it, I say, oh, God, that's a good one. I, I didn't even think of that. So I'm going to ask you the one question that you and I always joke about, the one question that we know is coming in every speech that we give. And we realize when it comes that we're about to potentially alienate half of the audience because there's so much diversity in thought on this chores for allowance or tool to teach kids about money? Go ahead. <laughs> this is, it's, it's a great question. You know what? I think as I, when I wrote the book, I was much more on the side of uh, you don't want to tie the chores to allowance. And here's the reason is that allowance has a purpose. The purpose of an allowance is to uh, give kids experience with money, right? So they can learn to use money as a tool. Chores teach a different lesson, and that lesson is that very often you have to work hard in order to make the money, right? And I still think that's the best way to start out the program by separating out those two. Now, you can still do chores, but those chores can be kind of above and beyond the basic 
chores. And part of the thing is you don't want like basic things that they think they can opt out of. They don't need the money. So for example, making their bed or whatever it is for your family, it might be cleaning the dishes. Those are things they have to do as kind of rent for living in the family, right? So if you assign a chore and you're paying the money for that and they decide at a later age that, well, I don't want to do that because I don't want to be, I don't need that money. You're not, you're kind of giving them a false choice because you're still going to require them to do it. So kind of, you want to kind of disconnect the basic chores from money. But if you want to teach them the lesson that chores teach, which is hard work requires uh, money, requires hard work, then give them above and beyond chores. So something you might pay someone else to do, whether it's mowing the lawn or it's a whether it's cleaning the car, whether it's doing work, if you're an entrepreneur with your own, with your business, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to do that, um, to teach those different lessons. But I think the key thing is that one teaches one lesson and the other teaches a different lesson. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I was, oh, I didn't mean to say that it's total sense, but yes, it makes total sense, John. Um, so help me with this one because I struggled with this as a parent with my own kids the how much to pay, right? That I saw yeah. all these rules of thumb. It's a dollar for each year old that they are or whatever. What's your thought process on how much do we choose to pay them in an allowance? Yeah, I mean, I tend to use the you know the dollar uh, per week uh, per age type thing. So like $5 for a five-year-old, $6 for a six-year-old. Um, but I actually think you're just... The, the, the key framework in that is that what you want is your kids. I think David Owen, who wrote the first National Bank of Dad, kind of put it best, which you, you want your kid, your young kid feeling a little bit flush so they can actually use the money. And the reason I bring that up is I remember talking to a friend of mine who was making you know an order of magnitude more money than I was. And he was thinking about giving his kid who was five years old, um, like a dollar a week, you know, four quarters or something like that. And I'm thinking that kid is going to have, he's just going to get frustrated with it because there's not, it doesn't give him much buying power. And he's looking at you thinking, well, I can kind of get whatever I want. So I think you need to have, you have to watch that disconnect. I think the key thing is don't give them too little, again, assuming that if your if your um, situation is such that you can make sure you're giving them enough so that they actually have some spending power but i think the dollar per week per age of the child is a good starting point um, and then it changes once their responsibilities change so once they become tweens and teens and you may be transitioning out of your physical jars to digital jars on kind of one of the cards that might be out there then it might all change that's going to change a little bit but from the beginning I think that rule of thumb seems to work pretty well. Okay, well, right down the home stretch, tell me, how do parents use the art of allowance? What's the best practices that you found for people that go and buy your book and then read it and try to implement those ideas in the home? Yeah, I would say the the key thing is just starting early and being consistent. And then when you aren't consistent, because we're all parents, we're going to miss an uh, we're going to miss an allowance time or two. Don't beat yourself up. So that's that's one. And then the other one, there's just little key strategies that I think really help. So one of them is the waiting period. And 
what that means is that when your kid is um, accumulating money, if you have a kid who's more of a saver, say, right, they don't, they don't, they just aren't spending very much money and they might accumulate, say, you know, whatever it is, let's say it's $75. And now they don't have to save up for a goal. They could actually blow that money. Actually, blow is not the right word. They could spend that money on something that's say a $50 purchase or even a $75 purchase. And you're concerned that they might be making too big an impulse purchase. You can use a waiting period to say, okay, up over $25, over $50, you have to wait one week before you buy something. If it's not something that you've identified as a goal that you're saving for in your save jar. And I think that kind of waiting period is a good idea. Frankly, it's something I've kind of taken into my (laughs) my own life, um, this idea of the waiting period. So it's a good it's a good strategy for them to think about and get into their head. And then the other key thing is something we've talked a lot about, which is incentives matter. So if you want them to save more money, incentivize them to put money into their save jar. You know, match them dollar for dollar, match them a quarter for dollar, whatever you're comfortable with, incentivize them there. Same thing in the share jar. I mean, if you want something done, a monetary incentive is very powerful. Don't underestimate it use that tech that tactic to try to get your kids to do to kind of go down the path that you might want them to go down. John, you are my guru on allowance. Thank you so much not only for being with us today, but being such a good mentor to me as I ventured down the road. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And I know that you are a torch carrier for the importance of financial literacy education in children. So thanks for joining us today. Hey, Tom, thank you. It's been nice getting to know you, and I'm glad we're on this journey together. And uh, I look forward to our uh, continuing work together. Awesome. To our listeners, if you're interested in learning more about John's work or connecting with him directly, you can find all of his contact information in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to bringing you more conversations with our experts in the future. I hope you enjoyed our episode of Total Sense. A special thank you goes out to Verso Studios at the Westport Library. Tune in for our next Money Chat.